0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to
1: oneandall.media. They knew that Jesus died, but when they began to understand why he died, everything changed. Death was actually a triumph. Death was actually a victory. Loss was actually gain. Please hear me on this. I'm telling you that if you want to regain the wonder of Christmas... You have to first regain the wonder of God, and you regain the wonder of God by regaining the wonder of the cross. Today, 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 with
0: Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hey there, welcome to Today with Jeff Finds. In this Christmas series, Pastor Jeff speaks about rediscovering the wonder of Christmas, but also What is it like when you're in a spiritual winter? You may have heard Pastor Jeff cover this topic before, but today he approaches it from a different angle. You can find the whole series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds. Join us now as we hear the rest of this message on spiritual winter.
1: Please, listen. This is our story. Do we stay or do we go? Do we stop believing? Do we disengage? Or do we remain committed and faithful when there seems to be no movement? You know, it's easy to remain faithful when everything's going well. Not so easy. When you feel you've been made some promises and they're not coming to completion or fruition. You know, I just got back from Australia about a week ago. And I gathered the pastors together and I asked them what their biggest struggle they had during COVID. You know what they told me? They said, I think the hardest thing was when we realized that people who had been with us forever just left. I said, well, what do you mean? Left churches? Left some No, just left God. Because they could not harmonize how God could allow something like COVID. So they just walked away. And then people we thought were shallow and would never stay, stayed. And dropped anchor. We Christ followers are not immune to a fallen world. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you're gonna have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. What don't we understand about that? We're gonna have trouble in the world. Powerful people are gonna oppress us. They're gonna lie to us. This kingdom cannot be trusted at all. And coronavirus should have shown all of us that life is fragile and it can dissipate at any time. And if you don't put your faith in something that is eternal, then your emotional, spiritual constitution, your emotions will go up and down all the time based on how things are on the outside. Jesus said, remember what I told you, John fifteen twenty: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Philippians 3.19, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I don't know how much more clear Jesus could have been. This is a fallen world. You and I live in a place where we do horrific things to each other, where powerful people oppress the weak, where those with resources, tend to take as much as they can, and it's never enough. But we shouldn't be surprised. First John 5, team, we're told that we are children of God, but the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. There's a mastermind at work. However, Christ says he has the final word and the final victory and the final kingdom belongs to him. In the meantime, okay, Pastor Jeff, thanks for that, but that's kind of, that sounds like a little bit of a platitude to me because I know there's final victory. I know there's a final kingdom. I know he will come and restore everything and make everything right, but here's the problem. I feel like that I've gotten a promise from him in the here and now. What do I do in the here and now while I'm waiting on this kingdom to come? In fact, Pastor Jeff, you said last week in Matthew seven eleven, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good give, uh, give good gifts to those who ask him? And the gift that you're asking for is a good gift. And you feel like God has promised it to you just like I did in my 20s. But you've been waiting a long time and now you're wondering yourself, did I even hear that right? What do I do? David said in Psalm 41... I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Psalm 27, 14, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So the Bible doesn't tell you to doubt the promise you heard from God. Some of you have got a calling on your life and you know it, but it doesn't feel like that now. Your job is not to doubt the calling. Your job is not to think it's over. Some of you think that because you've made some mistakes in your life, I mean that God can't use you anymore. Well, You're doubting the promise of God. Don't think it over. And whatever you do, don't take things into your own hands. Don't do that. You do what Zechariah and Elizabeth kept doing. You keep waiting, and you're faithful every 24-hour period. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful, and God always delivers on his promise. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, why is God making me wait? I don't know. I'm not God. Well, can't you give me some suggestions? Yes. I'm glad you asked. Here's one. Because God likes the way you pray when you feel lost. For the first time in your life, He has your full attention. He can speak to you in a way that He never could before. He can guide and direct your path right now. He can deliver wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And this desert that you're in is the pathway to the promised land. When everything's good, you don't listen, you don't seek, you don't search, you're not passionate. And you take everything for granted but when the rug is pulled out from under you suddenly you start praying and for the first time in your life you get to know God. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. I think waiting is God's megaphone as well. And when you're waiting you tend to pray and read your Bible and you listen to worship music and you're trying to discover God and God likes it so God's not going to ruin that by giving you what you want too soon. Second, maybe he waits because he's not finished preparing you for his provision. Now, listen carefully in these next three statements. You're just not ready to be married because you still think marriage will solve all your problems. You don't realize you're going to get a whole new list of problems you never had before. You're not ready to be financially secure because the manner in which you would use your expendable income would detract from your relationship with God. Right now, you're begging God to take care of you financially, But he knows if he did, he wouldn't see you for a while. You're not ready for the healing because you're not convinced that it would actually come from God. And so your gratitude would be misplaced. So God's got to keep you waiting until it dawns on you that your only hope is Jesus. That's not easy to hear. I know that. But God's delays always coincide with what he's trying to build into your life. And God always plays long game. Long game. And three, he's waiting until your commitment to him becomes less contingent. When you grab hold of the greater things of life, the lesser things tend to fall into your lap. They come when you let go of the lesser things, not when you grab on hold tighter. Therefore, when you begin to see that you can actually live without the things you think you can't live without, that Jesus is all you truly need, as soon as you come to that conclusion, guess what happens? God opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing into your lap. Isn't that it? It's ironic. When you let go of the thing you think you can't live without and you realize all you really need is Jesus, boom, that's, oh, well, I can bless you now. Let me open these windows. But for many of us, I believe that we have heard from God and that God loves us and that he longs to give us the desires of our heart. And while it is true, very true, that if you, according to 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. While this is true, what I don't want to leave, now stay with me, what I don't want to leave you with is, up until this point, I feel like this is a sermon you could just click on Google and hear. I don't want to leave you with a bunch of platitudes or a spiritual pep rally. I don't want to work you up into a frenzy and tell you, wait, wait, wait. Like I said, when the outlook is bad, try the uplook. Okay, that sounds good, but does it really help? I want to give you a foundational truth that I think can breathe life into you because I'm fully convinced that God will deliver on this promise that he's given you, just as he delivered on his promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is where the wonder of the first Christmas story returns. Now, are you with me? We save the hardest part to last this time. Usually we get it out at first and then we go. Focus, lean in. Since the days of Zechariah and Elizabeth, millions upon millions of people have been added to the waiting list. It's uncanny, isn't it? 2.7 million, 2.7 million people every year convert to Christ. And how long have we been waiting on the promise to be fulfilled? 2,000 years for the second coming. Now imagine that. So more and more people are coming to Christ, even though we've been waiting this long. Millions of people die every day waiting for the king's return. Millions change the way they're living and embrace a Messiah who promised he would return 2,000 years ago and still has not returned. How can that be? What is it that draws so many since it's been so long? You with me still? Think about the founders of every other major world religion. Moses, Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius. You know what they all have in common? They overcame their enemies. They lived long lives, relatively speaking. They were full of years when they died. And when they died, they were considered successful. Moses died full of years, the Bible tells us, although he didn't get into the promised land, he did lead a successful campaign of his people into the promised land. Confucius died in his 70s, surrounded by his disciples, honored in his hometown. Buddha was 80 years old when he died. He was described as dying in complete serenity. Muhammad died full of years, presiding over a united Arabia, a successful conquest In each case, they overcame their enemies, even though they were persecuted, imprisoned, exiled. They overcame, and the result is they're considered successful. Now, then you have an entirely different group of people. Stay with me now. An entirely different group of people. Hundreds and hundreds of them that you've never heard of. There were hundreds and hundreds of other people who claimed to be Messiah. You know that, right? But there's hundreds of them that you'll never hear about because they were crushed, killed, annihilated, and defeated by their enemies. They were unsuccessful. Think of a few examples we have in modern times. David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. You remember Waco, Texas? Waco, Waco? Do You remember Jim Jones, anybody in the Jonesites in Guyana? And Jim Jones, if I remember right, committed suicide, but only because he didn't want somebody else to take his own life. He claimed to be a Messiah to bring a new kingdom. We only know about these because they occurred in our time, but there were thousands of others that we'll never know In fact, I'll bet you there are people in the audience, even right now in this generation, that don't know who Jim Jones is and don't know who David Koresh is. Why? Common sense. If you're defeated, you lose. Let me read you something that comes out of the Jewish encyclopedia for the reason that the Jews historically reject Jesus as Messiah. Here's what it says. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The final utterance was, in all its implications itself, a disproof of the exaggerated claims made for Jesus after his death by his disciples. No real Messiah could suffer such a death. It is an impossible article of belief that detracts from God's sovereignty and absolute otherness. Now, what are they saying? Hey, if you're from God, you win. You win. You don't lose. That's common sense. Not particular, by the way, to the Jewish faith. You die, you lose. So how could Jesus be the Messiah? He dies an ignominious death, a premature death. He's defeated. How can he usher in any new kingdom? Someone who dies at the hands of his enemies is a sign of weakness. So you and I never hear the names of the messiahs that were claimed to messiahs. Hundreds and hundreds over the course of history and you'll never hear their names. Their kingdom were these tiny little se- their kingdoms were these tiny little sects that often fade away. Their leaders are marginalized, their followers killed. While the major, or the founders rather, of major world religions defeated their enemies and lived long lives, except for one Jesus Christ. Why? Why is he the exception? Because something uncommon happened to Jesus and his disciples that overcame the common sins. Something happened that changed the cross, his death, from a proof of defeat into a badge of honor, a source of joy and the defeat of all defeats and sorrows so that the cross became such a source of power and joy in their lives that they changed the world. It's fascinating to historians, fascinating. You ought to read the book by Rodney Starks, The Rise of Christianity. It is so unique. How is it that a Messiah who's crucified on a cross leads the largest movement in human history? Because his death meant something. It was turned on its head. Defeat became victory. Sorrow became joy. Fear became courageous or courage. Now, what is it that produced that? And how is that connected to patience and waiting on God? They knew that Jesus died, but when they began to understand why he died, everything changed. Death was actually a triumph. Death was actually a victory. Loss was actually gain. And let me tell you, please hear me on this. I wish I could go into this even down deeper than we could actually go. But I'm telling you that if you want to regain the wonder of Christmas, you have to first regain the wonder of God and you regain the wonder of God by regaining the wonder of the cross. What is the wonder of the cross? When all seems lost, victories are being won. The greatest stories are written not in summer, but in winter. And anybody who's been a Christ follower for any length of time knows what God does in the midst of spiritual winter prepares you for the greatest victories of living. If God seems to be unconscionably delaying, it's because there's some massive crucial factor that you simply do not know. There is a story that he's writing into your life so that it becomes fantastic. In Galatians 4, remember what Paul said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. What's he saying? You realize when Jesus came, God had been silent for 400 years for the people of Israel. 400 years, and when God is silent, what happens? Those who truly are seeking God seek him with a greater passion. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, is not untrue. So in the cross, we see that pain is redemptive, that God sometimes sends us into the spiritual desert, that sometimes in the winters of our life, God wants us to know what it feels like when God seems distant, so that when he comes near, his presence is even that more precious. And sometimes we won't start thinking in the appropriate terms where God and the world and our lives are concerned until something like coronavirus happens. Even in the coronavirus, God writes a story God is moving, I believe, our nation and the world to repentance that if you put your hope and trust in what is temporary, it's only a matter of time before it's all destroyed. You must, if you want stability, if you want hupomone, endurance, waiting power, then your faith and trust has to be in something beyond yourself. The research that's being done now is quite amazing. Let me give you one example. There's a place called everystudent.com. Everystudent.com. This is one of quite a few websites. During coronavirus, 56 million students visited the site to learn about Jesus. Before coronavirus, hit and miss. During coronavirus, 56 million students. We're only talking about students, there are other uh, research data on adults, young kids, whatever, but just students. And out of that, 657,000 chose to follow him during coronavirus. You and I are praying that the coronavirus will end. And we're asking God, how much longer? We're asking God, how much longer do I have to wait on a husband or a wife or a job or a promotion or financial security? All these things that I feel like you promised, how much longer? And I'm trying to help you understand. The answer is, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God wants to give you something more than you're asking for. God wants to say, I'm writing a story of redemption during this cold winter. Do you remember? Do you remember when we first, this is almost over now, stay with me, and then I'll bring it together. Do you remember when we had our first Good Friday, when we first heard that we weren't, that the coronavirus was here, and all pastors all over the world were trying to say, okay, what do I do? Do we meet? Do we not meet? And so many decisions that were need to, needed to be made in a very short matter of time. In the first Easter during coronavirus, we stood out in the grass behind the San Dimas campus, and I held my Bible in my hand, and I told you a story about Jairus' daughter. Do you remember that? Some of you will. And Jesus is on his way through the city, and he's touched the hem of his garment by this woman who had a what we would call a chronic condition. It's been there for a long, long time, long, long time, and it's probably going to be there for a much longer time, and Jesus stops and converses with her, but while he's doing that, Jairus comes, and he's got a daughter, a little girl whose disease is acute. She's about to die. Jesus could wait on the woman. He could always say, hey, I'm going to go heal this little girl, and then I'll come back and talk to you, and we'll deal with this, but he doesn't. He stays so long with the woman that the little girl dies, and it seems to be malpractice. Why don't you go take care of the little girl and then come back and take care of the lady? It's, a, it's chronic. Hers is acute. But then Jesus does go, and the girl is dead. And then he says to her what? Talitha kum. Wake up, little honey. Wake up, little honey. And the point of the story is that Jairus was wanting a healing, but Jesus wanted to give him a resurrection. You want the healing. You want him to come in and just make everything okay. And I'm telling you, God delays. He's writing a story. You want a healing. He wants to give you a resurrection. My little boy Delaney, stay with me. This is in now. My little boy Delaney, uh, well, he's not so little anymore. For those of you who know him, he's quite a big fella. He never met food he didn't like, okay? Never met a dish he didn't like, and when he was like, uh, I don't know, I guess he would have been eight or nine years old. We were visiting in Cincinnati. We were furloughed from our work in New Zealand. And his poppy, his grandfather, Charlie Delaney, that most of you know, uh, would always promise Delaney on the first night that we arrived, say, hey, Delaney, you get a good night's sleep, and in the morning, I'm going to take you for breakfast. Now, Delaney's eyes would lit up. The possibility of biscuits and gravy and pancakes and syrup and all he could eat just made him happy, even then. Unfortunately, he had a hard time waiting and sleeping the night before. So Charlie would always tell us that Delaney would come in his bedroom, (laughs) make his way up the stairs, knew where Charlie slept, and would tap him on the shoulder around 4.30 and say, is it time yet? Is it time yet? And Charlie would always wake up and say, okay, it's not time yet, but why don't you go take a shower? And by the time you get yourself ready, the breakfast place will be open at 5.30 and I'll take you. Can I tell you something? Because of the character... Of Delaney's grandpa, who, if you know him, impeccable character, Delaney never doubted that breakfast would come. And I'm telling you that God's character is impeccable. And his goodness is unparalleled. And if you will wait, if you will wait, in his time, in his way, even though you're tired and weary right now, one day you will stand up and walk and then you will run and then you will fly and then you will soar. For Isaiah tells us that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. Father, we are so grateful that uh, you are large and in charge and we are not. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who have been waiting for so long for the promise to be fulfilled. I pray that they would take comfort by this incredible Christmas story. And that whatever it is they're waiting for, whatever they feel like they've been promised, whatever it is they believe they can't live without, I pray that you'd give them the courage and the insight to just wait, to trust, not to take matters in their own hands, but to trust and to look and to obey and to seek and to not give up pursuing you every day of their lives for in that pursuit, they will discover that you want to give us something far greater than that which we're asking for. And when we accept that, and when we let go of the thing that we think we can't live without and realize that Jesus is all we need, suddenly the windows of heaven open.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff finds wherever you listen to podcasts.